Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest this morning, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We want to remind everyone of a couple of great weekends coming up. October the 5th will be our family day. Do continue to pray about that, invite about that, and attend that. Also be looking for sign-ups for side dishes that will need to be brought and also other ways to help. And you can see Greg Coles, or you can keep your eye out in the foyer for those opportunities. Let's make that a success to God's glory. Also, we've not mentioned it as much, but we need to draw your attention. Fathers and sons, there will be a father and son weekend. The theme is our father at home and in heaven. And it will be held in Centerville, Tennessee, hosted by Bill McDonald. And the event will include things like a night hike, four-wheeling, gun shooting, archery, capture the flag, campfire under the stars, meals will be provided, and you can bring a tent, you can bring a camper, or you can stay in the lodge. Uh, this isn't for only for folks that uh, always go out and rough it and hunt. If you have never done those things, this is for you too. There will be opportunities for you to fit in at whatever level of involvement that you would like in all of those things, and it would be a wonderful, wonderful memory that you and your father or son can create. And so, uh, Take advantage of that. It'll be $30 per father and son group, and be sure and sign up in the foyer for that, and Clint McCullough can answer future questions that you would have about that. A woman was aging, very elderly, almost blind, as a matter of fact, and she had three sons that even though they were well into their adult years, they enjoyed competing for who would be the best son. So one had done very well, and he bought his mother a mansion. A second had done very well also, and he bought his mother a Mercedes. Knowing she couldn't drive, he provided her with a full-time chauffeur. The other, the third, had done very well too, and he was trying to think of what his mother would love or appreciate, and knowing that she loved the Scriptures, he decided that with her failing sight, what he would do is he shopped around for a parrot. And this wasn't just any old parrot. This parrot had been trained for 15 years. This parrot could quote the entire Bible. All the mother had to do was say the book, chapter, and verse, and this parrot could quote it. Well, after a while, the mother replied to the first son, Look, that was very thoughtful of you to provide a home for me and a mansion, but the truth is I could only live in one room of it. I sold it, and I'm back in my old house again. I feel much more at home. She contacted the second son. She said, look, at my age, I really don't want to go a lot of places, and that chauffeur was getting on my nerves being around all the time. She contacted the third one. She said, son, you're the sweetest. She said, it was a little bit small, but that was the best fried chicken I've ever had. Now, when you think about that, you think about a gift that was sorely misused. Have you ever thought about the fact that of all the gifts that's been given to mankind, one of the most neglected gifts ever given to mankind is the Word of God? Yes, there are parts of the country where the Word of God needs a greater distribution, but the reality is in most of America, that's not the problem at all. You see, it's not the problem that we don't have copies. Our problem is that we don't read copies. The coffee table and the bookshelf and the nightstand isn't sufficient for the Word of God. The back seat of a car or just occasionally opening it isn't sufficient for the Word of God. 
do you and I realize what we have in our hands when we hold the Word of God? Tonight, we're going to concentrate especially upon the merit of the Word itself because it is inspired. But this morning, we want to concentrate upon that motivation of shouldn't we study it? You know, it was the first book that came off of a printing press ever. Do you know that this book, at least portions of it, have been translated in more than 1,900 languages? Did you know that the average American, or at least 24% of America, says that they have five copies of the Bible themselves? You see, it's available. The question is, am I neglecting this gift or am I using this gift? And what good can this gift truly and really do for me? Now, as we think about this, though, we're also looking at the theme of sharing the ancient words. You see, when we go into Bible class this morning, Andrew has designed a beautiful study of how you and I can learn to study and appreciate the Scriptures. And so in this hour, we'll use this time as a motivation to say, yes, let's do study. Let's be moved to a greater study if in fact we have been negligent, but yet at the same time understanding that this auditorium is filled with individuals that give a great amount of love and effort into studying the Scriptures. Look back with me, if you will, that text that Matt so capably read for us. In Romans, the first chapter, Look what he said there in verse 14 when we think about Paul. How is it that you were so successful in reaching so many with the gospel? We've looked at this sometime in the past, but I'd like for this to be the leaping point for us to make our way in just a few minutes over to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. You see, as we link together the idea of sharing the ancient words and then studying the ancient words, we look at the apostle Paul and the apostle Paul says, I view myself as a debtor. But you remember, this is the passage that has the three I am statements. This is where he says, I am a debtor. But he also says, I am ready to preach. But then he also says, I am not ashamed. Now, this word debtor is a very strong word. He is not saying, it's been suggested to me that I might want to teach others the gospel. He's not saying, occasionally it comes to my mind. Every now and then, I reach out to fulfill the the opportunity or the obligation. No, listen to Paul's words. He says, I am a debtor to both the Greek and the barbarian. In other words, he feels that heavy weight of responsibility. This word could be translated either that he owes or even that he is delinquent. Many of us get up and we go to work each week, and one of the reasons that we are motivated to do so is because we have debt. And we want to be able to pay our debts. We want to be able to to stay in the house that we live in. We want to be able to drive the car that we're driving. We have a debt and we owe. And so therefore we're motivated to do something about the income so that we can pay that debt. Now I know that there are others that will kind of put their shoulders back and say, I don't owe anybody. Yes, if you're a Christian, you do owe. Now, we need to be very wise financially, and especially in a time like this, we need to be very wise financially. I'm not promoting that that debt is a wonderful thing in every situation, but it is a wonderful thing when we look at our spiritual life and we look at motivation to study the Scriptures. Now, there are several things that ought to motivate us to study the Scriptures, but one of the things that ought to motivate us to study the Scriptures is that we wake up every day saying, I have a debt. 
I need to say a good word for Jesus Christ today. I need to live in such a way that would glorify God and that others would see my good works, Matthew, and glorify God also. How are we going to do that? We have to know the word. Isn't it interesting here when he says, I'm a debtor, he links behind it that he's saying, I am ready to preach. How do you get ready to preach? One aspect of it is no doubt an attitude, but definitely another aspect of it is that he has prepared himself by learning the scriptures. Now, Paul had an advantage that some of what he learned was revealed to him, but no doubt a man that even late in his life asked for his papers to be brought to him was a studious man. And so when we think about our obligation, our debt that we have to others, we need to recognize not everybody has the same gift. I'm not suggesting everybody here is a preacher. But all of us are to take the gift that God has given us and make sure that we are ready to use that to His glory. Now, note this also. It's interesting that in verse 16 where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Do you remember why some people are ashamed of the gospel? Oh, we could guess some might be ashamed because they live a hypocritical life. We could guess that some might be ashamed because they're not sold out completely for the Lord. They're still kind of lukewarm. But you see, we don't have to guess in this one area. We know why some are ashamed of the gospel. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Study to show thyself approved in the God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. Some people are ashamed of the gospel. In other words, they don't want to speak up for the gospel because they're ashamed of the fact that they don't know it. And the reason 2 Timothy 2.15 says they don't know it is because they haven't been diligent in their study of it. And because they haven't been diligent in their study of it, they're not able to rightly divide it. We have a debt that we owe. I'd like for you to think with me for just a moment of a checking account. Most of us probably understand this process pretty easily. As we think about a checking account, we recognize immediately what a deposit slip looks like. There has to be funds that are placed into that account. And then we know what it is to write a check. That's where we're making a payment and we're drawing from the funds that are in that account. Now we know what happens if we write a check for a greater amount than the funds that have been deposited. We call that insufficient funds. Friends, this process here is in a sense with Paul using the financial word of debt. When he says, I have a debtor, I'm a debtor, I owe it to other people. He's using financial terms that we today can understand even in our financial climate. And that is, we have to make deposits if we're ever going to be able to help others. We have to study the word of God so that we take the word of God into our life so that we can help others learn that word. You've heard expressions like you can't get water from a dry well. It's that idea that those deposits have to be made into our life. Well, what are those deposits? Look with me, if you will, to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the Hebrew writer helps us learn what those deposits must be. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, he says, beginning in verse 11, Hebrews 5 and 11, of whom we have much to say. Let me pause right here for a moment. The Hebrew writer has been writing, talking about Jesus, talking about how he's learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Then he talks about he is a high priest likened to Melchizedek. But then the Hebrew writer kind of runs into a difficult situation. Notice this difficult situation in verse 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You ever been in that situation? 
You ever been in the situation where you see that someone needs to learn something and what they need to learn is down the line, but the reality is you can't get down the line because they're not willing to learn what is previous to that? What would be a foundational truth to what they need to learn? They're not willing to learn it. Think about this. This is an inspired writer writing and he's saying, there are some things about Jesus that I need to teach you. But the problem is, I can't get you to learn these other things first. He actually says, you're dull of hearing. If there's ever been a time that audible learners are blessed, isn't it now? I don't guess there's ever been a period in the history of mankind where audible learners are able, if they choose, 24 hours a day to be taught the gospel. I am amazed how, I guess I could say, every week, either by phone or by email or in in a conversation with someone, every week someone will say to me, I'm blessed so richly by the sermons that I hear at Mount Juliet Church of Christ, and it's someone that I don't even know. Now, how does that happen? Well, you can hear them online 24 hours a day, thanks to our guys that work in that area. You can download them and play them on an MP3 player. So many CDs, cassettes, and DVDs go out. In the last two days, three different individuals, two of whom I don't even know, have made contact to say that. What's the point? The point is the conversation oftentimes goes like this. You know, when I listened the second and the third time to that lesson, I learned so much more than what I learned the first time. Friends, I'm not saying because there's sermons from here. That's not the point at all. The point is there are people that are going to work all week long and on their commute, they're putting in CDs and they're listening to the teaching of God's Word. They're not dull of hearing. There are individuals, as one woman contacted a while back, have no idea even where she lives. She says, I have wireless headphones and I turn on the the sermons on Monday morning on the internet and I clean the whole house and I listen to Sunday morning and Sunday night every Monday. And she lives in another state somewhere in Midwest America. What's the point? Friends, if we say... I just don't have time to learn the word. You're not telling the truth. You're fooling yourself. There are people that are on the move on a regular basis and they study the word hours every week in commutes and while they're doing things. You see, the question is this. Am I dull of hearing? In other words, have I reached the point that I just really don't care to hear the teaching of the word? These individuals right here, the Hebrew writer says, I have so much that I need to teach you, and I'm handcuffed. I'm not able to teach you anymore because you stopped wanting to hear the gospel proclaimed. What does that do? What does it do when people say, I do want to hear it? I do want to study it. Many in this congregation are involved in reading the Scriptures every day to read through the Scriptures this year. What a blessing. What about the ones that say, I do want to hear it. I want to be able to read it. I want to learn it. Notice what happened as we go to verse 12. He's still speaking from the negative sense here because these individuals were dull of hearing. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
Do you see the word ought there? I know in our English language, we think of the word ought as a suggestion or advisable. Hey, it's raining outside. You, you ought to carry an umbrella. That word right there coming out of the original language, it too is much stronger like the word debt. It literally could be translated debt. Do you see what he's saying? If it's translated debt, for though by this time you owe it to be teachers. But the problem is they need someone to come back and teach them again. I want you to think about the checking, the checking account. How much have you deposited lately? Now we're talking about not you personally. We're talking about the Hebrew people that the, the Hebrew writer is writing to here. How much have you deposited lately? Hebrew writer says, I can tell you how much you deposited. You are so dull of hearing with so little deposits that now it's time that you reach out and help other people. You need to write some checks. You need to help other people. And the reality is you haven't learned enough that you're able to turn around and write the check to help someone else. Friends, when I think about my debt, that I owe it to other people, I have to also think about the reality I can't pay that debt if deposits aren't made. I'd like for you to pause here for just a moment and go with me to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Because as we study this together, I have a fear that maybe all of us here are thinking about, well, if I was a preacher, if I was a teacher, it would be important for me to make those deposits. Listen to what God says about it. It doesn't have anything to do with just a preacher or a teacher. Look at the power of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. On the screen, it's the lower half of the reading there. Look at this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We'll study some of this tonight. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What will the scriptures do? Listen to this in 17. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now friends, I didn't write this. This isn't David Shannon's opinion. This is what God is saying. God is saying you name a good work that needs to be done. That would be any ministry of the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. That would be any good deed that you need to do in your home. What kind of parent are you going to be? You want to be a good parent? What kind of child are you going to be? What kind of neighbor are you going to be? How are you going to talk to your boss tomorrow, to those that work under you tomorrow? How, what kind of friend are you going to be? All of the good works that we have an opportunity to do, how are you going to fulfill them? According to this passage, you cannot be thoroughly equipped to do those things unless you know the Scripture. According to this passage, you can't be complete. You can't say, I'm ready to go out and live a good life. I'm complete in that. I'm equipped in that. I'm prepared unless we know the scriptures. If an elder is going to be what an elder must be, to serve as they should, he can't ever stop reading the scriptures. If a deacon is going to lead his ministry the way God would expect him to lead, it doesn't matter what ministry it is, he can't ever stop studying the scriptures or he will not be complete and equipped for his task. If you want to be a good person, person, a Christian about your daily activities, you cannot stop, you cannot stop studying the scriptures. For if we do, we've stopped making deposits 
and we can no longer write the checks to do good to help others. But friends, it's not only about helping others. As we go back there to Hebrews, the fifth chapter, I'd like for you to notice again verse 12, 13, and 14, but we're only going to look at the last part of verse 12, and then we'll bring this to a close. Look at the last part of verse 12. You see, now he stops talking about how we owe it to others, but then he starts talking about how we owe it to our very own life. Notice what he says, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now, we know that babes in Christ need milk, but you see what he's talking here, he's talking to those that have been Christians for a while, but they've stopped studying And because they've stopped studying, now they are declining. Now they are reverting back. Now they are shrinking in their faith. And so notice what he says in 13 and 14. He he just tells them the truth, but the truth calls them on the carpet. He says in 13, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food, the meat, belongs to those who are of full age or those who are maturing. That is... Those who by reason of use, that is exercise, practice, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Yes, we are debtors. We owe it to others that we learn the scriptures. But as we close this morning, please get this point. We owe it to ourselves. According to the scriptures, we can't discern, we can't clearly see between righteousness and wickedness, between good and evil, unless we are students of the truth unless we've moved beyond the milk of the word to the solid food of the word now, I know Satan would like to convince us that hey you know it, you won't ever forget it you'll always be able to see the difference in right and wrong and I want to ask you this morning which one do you believe that's why Satan will whisper in your ear but God clearly says here you stop feeding on the word of God and you will stop being able to discern between right and wrong. If someone you loved was blindfolded on a tube of six, 30 feet in the air, and they had to maneuver across that tube of six, would you be concerned? Why? Don't you trust them? Don't you think they're wise? Don't you think they can make good decisions? Why are you worried about them? Well, obviously the answer is they're blindfolded. No matter how capable they seem, if if they're blindfolded, now they're at a huge disadvantage. How about you and I trying to maneuver through life without the very sight that we need, and that is the spiritual sight, the insight that God gives us to be able to learn what is right and what is wrong. That comes out of Romans, the first chapter, verse 17 and 18. It's in the scriptures that reveals righteousness. It's in the scriptures that reveals that which is wicked. And if we do not learn that, and if we do not stay afresh in that learning, we'll lose sight of it, and it'll cost us. This morning, as we think about this passage in Hebrews, I'd like for us to close this lesson, and we don't have a slide on this, but I'd like for you to cast your eyes, if you have your Bible, just pull your eyes over probably to the next column back and look with me in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. What does this word do? Look in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and let's read verse 12. For the word of God. What's the Bible called? It's called various things in various passages. We just read a passage where it was called Scripture. Now it's called the word of God. For the word of God is living 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and is a discerner. Now we're back to it being a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But notice this, it is living. It is powerful. When we take the word of God, we're taking life. Do you remember when Jesus came to this flesh, John, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word And then skip down to verse 14, the Word became flesh. The Word of God was embodied in Jesus. The Word of God became flesh. What was Jesus? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the truth. His Word, His Word is given to us. That truth is given to us. And this Word is living. It is powerful. When you and I take this Word into our life, we then have a living, powerful involvement from God to make decisions, to make decisions that are right, to stay away from the things that are wrong. Friends, when we think about ourselves as family members, think of the influence we have when we make righteous decisions and the harm that comes through bad or poor decisions and think how important it is for us to have the Word of God dwelling in us. When we think about our church family, think how important it is to have righteous decisions and that has to come from the Word of God. When we think about our influence to take these ancient words to a community about us, think how important it is that we first have to have those words deposited so that they can live out in our life and so that we know what we have the opportunity to teach. Everything about our life must go back to what the Lord would will and instruct this morning. Let's love the Word. Let's be renewed with a fervor to study it. Maybe you've gotten off track on the daily Bible readings. Now's the time to get back on track. Maybe you haven't been as hungry for it lately. Now's the time to pray about that and study about why it is important to have that desire Because the Word of God is living and it's powerful and those that live by it, they too are living and powerful individuals. Not for their own power, but for God's glory. This morning, are you baptized into Christ? That's what the Word teaches for believers to repent of sins and confess before others and to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. If you've done that, but yet somewhere along the way, you've lost the way. You've taken your eyes off God. You've stopped following the Word and and you want to repent of that, and you want to come back home. Friends, there's none of us that walk through this life without any kind of errors or mistakes or seamlessly. We walk through this life as individuals that struggle, that grow, that lean upon God, and depend upon His grace and mercy. This morning, we're not trying to beat anybody up. We're just simply saying, let's study His Word, let's live by it, And if our life isn't right this morning, let's make some changes and let's get it right and let's feed on this word, not the milk, but the meat of it. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.